0: Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Philly coming off a ugly preseason opener against the Raptors. Before we jump into that, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it. We are there. And of course, check out LibertyBallers.com for all your Sixers needs. So preseason opener, not going to overreact to the ugliness of the loss, but the Sixers started off pretty well, and things started to deteriorate from there. Now, let's not forget, Joel Embiid sat this one out. He was resting. Toby Harris sat out, had dealing with a bit of a knee problem, not expected to be serious, more precautionary than anything else, but he should be ready to go for the season opener, which is coming up just over two weeks from now. Uh, like I said off the top, okay, let's talk about some of the good things. Andre Drummond looked great to start the game. He was dominant, took advantage of some mismatches, uh, post moves look good actually played a little bit more like we're seeing, like we've seen Joel being used in, in, doc's offense, uh, actually had a nice pass from the top of the three-point line where he found Seth Curry for a good mid-range jumper that happened early on. And the, the Sixers look pretty good. They're up 21, 10, about eight and a half minutes into the game. And that's when things really just, just went off the rails. The Raptors came out and they were switching everything on defense, had a little bit more length on the court than the Sixers did. And because of that, it enabled them to really get out and run off of turnovers. The Sixers had 18 turnovers. Again, sloppy. It's preseason. The Raptors had 22. It's just the Sixers weren't able to take as much advantage as as the Raptors were. But I I like what I saw from Drummond early on. Um, You know, really aggressive, dominated the paint down low, dominated the offensive glass. If you look at his first half numbers, I mean, he was great. He was amazing. You know, just really nobody could could stop him on the Raptors. He had 17 points. 12 boards at the break. Uh, Seth Curry also looked good after a slow start. He finished with 14 points and four steals over the opening uh, half, but those were probably the two highlights of what we saw from the Sixers. And, and I think, you know, when you're when you're looking at this game and you're looking at preseason, especially the first one, you're trying to see, okay, which one of maybe the guys who didn't get playing time last season, uh, how they developed maybe over the summer, especially with the youngsters, and were they able to – you know, maybe give themselves a chance to get on the court more often in the regular season, and so you know we see that with with the Raptors. They've done a great job of of developing some players over the years, where we're not maybe heralded, but you know guys like OG Ananobi. I like what I saw from Precious Achua. He looked really good, um, and the and the Raptors really were were the they look like the faster, more athletic overall team. Uh Ended up dominating the the Sixers in the fast break, outscoring them twenty nine to thirteen. And like I mentioned, a lot of that was a result of the turnovers also shooting was was really 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 bad for for philly i mean they ended up missing uh their first nine three-point attempts seth curry kind of got things going on that front uh ended up finishing the game making just 23.5 percent eight of 34 from deep so again these are things you're looking at not with under a microscope at this point because it's just one preseason game but you are looking for okay is this going to be a pattern now if they go through their, their four preseason games shooting over just over 20 percent from beyond the arc we're going to be like damn what happened to addressing the need for shooting but again i'm not going to act like the sky has fallen just because of one loss like that and I'll you know again playing without your two best players um certainly doesn't help but you know looking at at some of the things that stood out and, and i'll start with this tyrese Maxey been talked about a ton you know, throughout the offseason, given the situation that's been happening with Ben Simmons. Uh, looked pretty good in terms of attacking, trying to get his shot off. He finished with 10 points, uh, three assists, uh, ended up also having four turnovers too. And I think one thing that really stood out for me at the start of this game is the lack of a playmaker. And, and having to learn the point guard position is not easy when you haven't done it throughout most of your high school and collegiate career. And Doc talked about that during the training camp last week and during media day that you know, the, there is going to be some added pressure for Maxi to to pick up on things and and having to learn the nuances of of setting the table for the offense. Having to learn, you know, where guys want the ball when they're coming off a screen. Uh, you know, how to find the the open man, maybe not one pass away, but two passes away. And so you you did see that the Sixers are going to have a little bit of a struggle figuring that out in terms of their starting lineup, even when they got Toby and and, and Joel back. So that's one thing I am looking for for Maxi overall. Like I said, great at attacking great at, at at trying to get to the hoop and, and get his shot, but it's a work in progress. And so I'm looking forward to seeing maybe if this continues to be an issue as we get into the, the regular season, if Doc starts to look at more of a total ball-sharing offense where it's not just one guy bringing up the ball and that the predominant ball hander, like we've seen with Ben Simmons, obviously given his absence, that the Sixers look at a team approach to try and create. And I think having Toby Harris back will, will be a big, a big help in that situation so again not great for maxi in terms of the point guard thing but nothing to really worry about in terms of you know in terms of his aggressiveness in terms of him being able to get his own shot uh i thought he did did really really well with that uh it was also interesting to see doc go with george niang as a small ball center at the five uh for a very very brief period in, in the second quarter that didn't last very long uh, the, the Rap- Raptors were just one on a, on a crazy one. They went on a 26, four run during the second quarter. And the offense was, was completely stagnant at that time. They ended up building a 11 point lead after being down 11, uh, very early. And so you did kind of see some of the nuances that you might expect to with a team operating with basically a new rotation and and one of their top two or three players, depending on, I mean, I, I would put Ben as number two last season, uh, ahead of, ahead of Toby. And I don't think a lot of people would argue that, but, you know, just seeing the, the difference is there was a lot of settling for jumpers, a lot of one pass and and taking contested shots on the offensive end and not a ton of, of, of drive and dish for easy ones. You know, Drummond was getting the ball a lot on the block when he was scoring early. He was also able to get some offensive rebounds and put those right back up right away. So, you know, looking at, at how the Sixers ran that early offense and how things were going. And as we got into the second, you you saw that lack of a creator kind of creeping its ugly head up in, in terms of what they did. And and because of their their lack of shooting and their early shots and, and sloppiness in terms of turnover turnovers, that gave the Raptors ample opportunity to get out on the break and run, which they were able to do. And then the Raptors really did use their athleticism and, and length to give the Sixers fits on the offensive end. Um looking further down the bench and we saw B ball Paul get some get some action. I, I like what he bought six offensive rebounds. He was aggressive there. Ended up finishing with four points and and 10 boards overall. Uh, Again, starting to try and maybe assert himself as a guy who can get more minutes, uh, depending on how Doc does. And he's going to have to learn to trust some of his younger guys a little bit more, given the makeup of the roster going into October 20th, which is when things kick off. Uh, So that that is going to be something that we're going to have to look at. And and they did give Paul Reed a little bit of a shot as, as a five as well. And, and he did a great job, especially on the d- defensive end. He was active with his hands, getting in the passing lanes, um, tried to you know make sure he was doing a lot of show and recovers as well when the Raptors were coming to the hoop, which threw off some of the drivers at that point. So I think you know he did put a lot of work in in the offseason, and, and he did show what he's able to do on the defensive end. And he, he did some good things on the offensive end as well in terms of running the floor, uh, getting from rim to rim, and he was attacking the glass nicely. So I, I liked what what Paul Reed did. During the first preseason game, Uh, some of the negatives on Paul Reed, you could tell getting comfortable yet. And it's not easy. You know, he didn't come in as this highly touted prospect who had, you know, a ton of seasoning. It it was going to be a process, but you did start to begin to see that this guy has what it takes in order to be at least a rotational player. But again, consistency is usually the tough part with some of the young guys looking else around there I like what I saw from Isaiah Joe. I know I think a lot of people were were happy with what the youngster brought to the table. You know, he played just 26 minutes total finished with 18 points, 4 of 8 from beyond the arc and we talked talked about that uh earlier on like dude, they're going to have to find ways to to get some more shooting and and I think that he does bring that uh element obviously to the table and he showed that he could be he could be a, a good offensive player in terms of handling the rock, uh being a good wing guy and trying to find the open guys defensively, getting better. Uh, sometimes he was beaten off the top, and you can tell he, he missed his spot, especially in transition on, on a few of the Raptors' possessions. But uh, I do think that you know, he's this guy's on his way to the more time that he gets and the more practice opportunities he's gonna get. I think you're gonna start to see his role increase again. I don't, I'm not am not going to you know, be overly optimistic and say he's going to turn into a starter and this crazy thing. I don't think that's going to happen. I just think you might be able to see him get into the rotation in terms of at least getting regular minutes. And and again, when you when you have a tough time with shooting, you are going to need guys who are able to put the ball in the hole for, from the outside. And I think that's where Isaiah Joe might be able to separate himself from the rest of the pack. Um, some of the negatives from this game. Shake Milton had a couple of nice plays where he was driving got to the hole uh had a really nice pass actually that he found curry on a on a cut and that it was a norton no look pass to curry that ended up with an easy bucket and i like that but uh milton's inconsistency issues continue to to kind of be a thing through game one again of the preseason so i'm not going to act like this is a big thing um doc talked often about the shake during the uh media day and and, and during the training camp about how he likes the work that he put in in the offseason and like with that you know Milton looked like a, a little bit of a different player compared to what we saw last year. But again, uh, needs to ease up on maybe trying to do too much while he's playing with the second unit, um, you know, driving into traffic and and which allow, doesn't allow the Sixers to keep the, the floor space the way it should. And, you know, he drove himself into trouble a few different times and where he was, you know, going to a double team or, you know, right into the help or where right where the help was. Uh, for the Raptors on the defensive end. He did have a couple of turnovers as well. Uh, Did finish with five assists. But again, you know, looking at that, I think that's something that that Shake will have to work on. And and the coaching staff will have to maybe highlight that with him a little bit. Like, hey, just slow things down a little bit. You don't have to rush. You don't have to be, you know, the only guy on the second unit. Things will change a little bit when you have Andre Drummond playing with you there. Uh, When you have George Niang playing with you there, those guys started in place of Tobias Harris and, and Joel in this one. So again, I I think shake was a little bit too pushy with things on the offensive end that should be able to improve as, as we go forward. And and I hope the coaches, you know, sitting down a bit on the video and say, Hey man, you know, this is where you need to, you do kind of need to, to slow things down a little bit in terms of pushing the pace and, and not trying to do too much on your own. And I think the Sixers are going to have to look at that, especially with Ben's absence and doesn't look like anything else is coming through the door anytime soon in terms of making a trade for a Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal. So that will be something that to work on as we get uh, further into the schedule. But again, I'm not going to act like the sky has fallen just because, again, it was game one of the preseason. So we're not going to act like that. But um, there were some areas of concern that, that you might want to try and correct as we go into into game number two which is coming up on on Thursday but you know overall I think it was a sloppy effort again expected for for game one of the preseason but trying to see what the Sixers young guys had I think there were signs of encouragement especially from Paul Reed and Isaiah Joe and you know we've seen Shake be up and down a lot last season and 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 that hopefully is something he can correct as we go into the upcoming year. I want to touch on some things involving Ben Simmons, Bobby Marks, and Tim Bontemps of ESPN had a nice little breakdown of where things stand in terms of the contract. I'll give you that information after a short break. All right, and we're back. Uh, As I mentioned, the Sixers did have that ugly preseason loss and the omission of having Ben Simmons there will loom large as we get into the regular season, already did throughout the offseason. But as we get to October 20th, that's going to be another thing to keep an eye on. So as I mentioned before the break, Tim Bontemps, Bobby Marks, uh, broke things down a little bit in terms of contractually and the financial side of things with Simmons. Uh, if you if you haven't heard yet, the Sixers ended up play not paying Ben the $8.25 million that they owed him uh, on October the 1st. So what they did is, the team did, is they put that into an escrow account. And so now what's going to happen, and again, this is from the ESPN report, is that they're going to begin deducting $360,000 from that account for each preseason and regular season game that he misses. Can you imagine that $360,000 for a preseason? Man, we're in the wrong field. No, I'm just kidding. We, were, <laughs> I wasn't good enough to be in the NBA. But, I mean, you look at that kind of money that, that Ben's losing out on and, you know, you have to wonder how long this thing will go on. The stalemate will last. So, basically, Ben stands to lose $1.4 million in fines if he misses all four of the, of the Sixers' preseason games. And if he's traded, let's just say, a month into the regular season, he ends up losing $7.2 million in salary. So seeing how that breaks down from the financial standpoint and knowing exactly what Simmons is losing, you know, we might look at it and think, Hey, this should put some pressure on the 25 year old to get back to the team, at least from the financial aspect of it and the money, you know, angle of it and get back on the court. But they're basically saying their line is drawn in the sand and they ain't coming back. And so it's not often, this is a, a total unicorn situation. You don't see guys with four years left on the deal, really not even in the prime of their career yet, uh, sitting out for this long. So, you know, we've seen this from Daryl Morey before. He's not afraid to be in uncomfortable situations with the decisions that he's going to make. He's not afraid to put the organization into a position where they're not just trying to scratch the immediate itch at the cost of what's going to happen long term. You know, when we see that it's like you're trying to check all these short-term boxes because there's a need, but ultimately if you do that in the short term, you're going to hurt yourself in the long term. And I think that's where Daryl Morey's at right now. Like you, you don't give up a 25-year-old three-time all-star, two-time all-defensive team guy for pennies on the dollar. You just don't do that. So, uh, looking at how much this is going to cost Simmons, I mean, you could see if this thing drags into December. And and you know, we've talked about this before on this podcast that. December 15th is a big day because that's when guys were signed in the off season have their trade restrictions lifted uh, after that. So you're going to start to maybe see some more movement and we have to see what happens with teams like the blazers. Sure. They bought in Chauncey billups didn't do a hell of a lot in terms of improving that roster though. So Damian Lillard might look at that and say, Hey man, we're sitting at three and eight to start the season. This isn't going any further. I want out. And then at that, that situation that puts pressure on Portland, not only to make a deal, but get something of value in return because they still have guys like CJ McCollum on the, on the roster that they can be, you know, remain at least maybe in the play in conversation. But if they, they get a guy like Simmons, that kind of propels them back into a postseason contender. So this whole thing is, is going to take a long time to drag out. But what we do know is that the longer Simmons sits out, it's going to cost him a pretty penny. And like we mentioned, I mean, the guy's made millions upon millions already in his career. So, Um, you know, the the pressure might not be as much as it is on on a on a normal person like us where we're missing work and and not getting paid for it. So for him, I think he's banked enough. He'll be okay. Uh, But I mean, it is going to cost him a lot in order to take on the stance that he's taken, which is I'm not coming back. And this whole relationship with the Sixers is is completely beyond repair. So, um, you know, the Ben thing is going to be looming large especially as we get into the regular season. And if the Sixers come out of the gate and struggle, that's going to be what we're hearing about. But again, financially, he's going to take a big loss for this decision. And I think Daryl Morey looking at the way he's looking at it and Elton Brandt, Doc Rivers is, all right, we got to let this thing stick out. And I'm really hoping the Sixers come out and and play really well because that kind of limits the force, the pressure that's going to be put on Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers to get a deal done because, hey, our team's still in a good spot. We're at least maybe a three, four, five seed in the East without Ben. So we're trying to get a player in return for him or assets that will net us another player in return for him. That'll get us into the conversation with Milwaukee and Brooklyn. That'll wrap up this episode of Sixers Daily. Again, the sky is not falling. There were some things to like. There were some things to not like from the 16-point loss to the Raptors on the opening night of the preseason. The same two teams will run it back on Thursday in Philly. We'll have that for you. We'll have another recap for you then. And like I mentioned off the top, we're continuing to build the Liberty Ballers podcast network. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your fix. We'd always appreciate a five-star review as well. And of course, check out LibertyBallers.com for all your Sixers needs as we head into the regular season.